Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique, the world through the lens of wine and spirits. This week, Georgia, a special edition coming from this small, proud nation that's the cradle of wine. We'll hear about its distinctive indigenous grape varieties and how to navigate them, the long history that underpins its wine culture, and the cvevery and why it remains so important in the production of its modern-day wines. Georgia. It may well be where wine began. For something like 8,000 years, wine has been rooted in the culture of this small nation bordering the Black Sea and the Caucasus. One of the main sources of wine for the Soviet Union, its vines were somewhat crudely exploited. But since the collapse of the USSR, it has undergone a slow but sure transformation a rebirth that has seen its distinctive indigenous grape varieties celebrated once more, and the return to prominence of its signature kvevery, the large clay vessel buried in the earth up to its neck, then sealed, used to make its distinctive wines. We'll hear more about kvevery wines later on, and we'll also hear more about Georgia's distinctive and delicious food culture a little later on. But first, who better to introduce us to Georgia than our guide for this trip, Master of Wine, Sarah Abbott. Georgia is a tiny country in terms of size, but it has a huge impact in terms of wine culture. So it's surrounded by much bigger neighbours, Russia to the north, Turkey to the south, Armenia and Azerbaijan to the um, east. But um, Georgia is probably one of the places where wine was first made. So they think of themselves as the homeland of wine with many justifications. And it's a country that is really returning to our attention, in certainly in the West, because um, although Georgia's been making wine for at least 8,000 years, when the Iron Curtain came down, it was kind of separated from us. But what's been happening in the last say, 10 to 20 years is that Georgia is really is turning to the West. And um, we are seeing now this huge, certainly, expansion in Georgian wines listed and available and sold in UK wine shops. And it offers really unique and delicious wine styles, its own unique grape varieties, and this very special UNESCO uh, cultural heritage protected wine vessel called the Quivery. And it's really got something for everyone. And we're 
definitely going to talk about the creverie at some length later on, but a bit more about the history, because under the Soviet system, it was a wine-producing nation. And that's something of a, a mixed blessing, isn't it? Yes, I think that on the one hand, when so when the Soviets um, basically um, took Georgia over, the thing that was positive is that they designated Georgia as the part of the Soviet Union that produced wine. So Armenia was designated as the brandy place. You know, Georgia was designated as the wine place. But what happened really under what the Georgians would think of as the Soviet occupation is that Georgia's very diverse and creative and very individualistic wine culture became very standardised and in some ways more efficient, but definitely more industrialised. And just to give you an idea, under that system, there were no private wineries or individual winemakers all the land was owned by the state, that all the vineyards were owned by the state, certainly for any major production. Um, all the wineries were owned by the state, were just called winery one, two, three, four, and five. And it was just a kind of um, like, imagine taking an amazing Technicolor picture and just making it black and white. That's kind of what happened to the wine culture in Georgia. So um, really what was happening now in Georgia is over the last um, sort of 30, 40 years, it's like a phoenix coming back to life and really re returning um, to this very vibrant, creative, diverse wine culture with very high quality wines and amazing enotourism as well. And the Georgians themselves have always loved wine, haven't they? I mean, we have a wine culture going back thousands of years here, don't we? Yes, so Georgians really think of themselves as like God's first winemakers. And there's there's very firm archaeological evidence that backs that up. So, for example, the some of the very earliest evidence of deliberate human winemaking with grape um, seeds and other evidence of winemaking has been uncovered in, in Georgia in these cave dwellings. Um, and I think that that is still important to Georgians today because... They really feel that wine is part of their culture and you see references to wine everywhere. And this is also a place, it's a tiny country, it's about the size of uh, Scotland, very mountainous, but it's always been a place of enormous mixing of different cultures, sometimes in a friendly way, sometimes because it was being invaded or occupied by much bigger neighbours because actually this is really a land of grace in terms of living and growing things everything grows here or despite its location it's actually a beautiful climate very warm benign everything grows so everyone wanted a piece of georgia but the vine loves it here and then the georgian culture is very much about enjoying life and feasting they have this great tradition of what they call the supra which are these um feasts with incredible food lots of wine and the Georgians would say, say to you that it's really through this communal bonding with great wine and great food that they derive their strength and their sense of identity. And it's really incredible that such a tiny country still not only exists um, surrounded by so much bigger and covetous neighbours, 
but thrives with a highly distinctive and individual culture, its own language, its own alphabet, its own grape varieties, its own food, um, its um, own sort of still very modern creative culture in the fields of film and fashion and so on. So it's like a kind of little hidden world, really, Georgia. And certainly for wine lovers, I think that it's, it's in some ways it's like going back in time, but in many ways it's actually like being present at the making of something sort of very much renewed and exciting. And we'll talk about the grape varieties in a minute because there are more than 500 of them. But uh, what about the terroir? What are we talking here? The main thing to get your head around about the land of Georgia is its mountains. Um, and it's really defined by the Caucasus, um, the major Caucasus to the north, which is some of the highest mountains in the world. Um, and the, those mountains are really what make Georgia such a gorgeously warm, fertile um, sort of place of grace, you know, in terms of nature, because they keep out the cold, harsh weather to the north. And then there's um, south of the Caucasus, there's then another a mountain range called the Minor Caucasus. And in Kakheti in the southeast, the Tawar is basically this elevated river valley which is between these two mountain ranges. So you it almost looks like a like a forked tongue, if you can imagine it, with these two like the forked tongue of these two mountain ranges. And then the vineyards um in Kakheti, they hug the um, the foothills of both the the mountains to the north and then the mountains to the south that face them. And that's about 70% of the vineyard area of Georgia. But then to the west, you have, well, really terrains that, um, as someone said to me, gosh, this looks like Switzerland. So and terrains like Racha, which is um, very high, very mountainous, very steep, with a very different and Tawar to the east, um, and Lehumi, which is next to Racha, very similar. Um, over in the far west, you've got um, Guria, which has um, very kind of juicy, succulent wines, and there they grow tea. It's basically a subtropical climate. Um, you have Imereti in the middle of the country, which is very high, and some parts of Imereti get cut off by snow in the winter. And then you also have Kartli, which is... Um, has is, is a cooler climate than the climate to the immediate east, Kakheti, and makes these very fresh, juicy uh, red wines. And then down in the south, right down in the south, you've got this very dramatic, high terraced landscape of Mesketi, um, which borders the um, which borders Turkey. And there again, you have really quite sort of stony. Um, high um, stony terraced vineyards where you have have really intense red wines being made. And grape varieties, uh, there are 525, I think, not necessarily all wine grapes, but uh, they have this extraordinary kind of treasure trove of indigenous grape varieties, don't they? Yes, they do. So there are 525 that have been identified and they are kept in a sort of um, open air vineyard um, museum, if you like, which is owned by the government. So they have samples of all of these 500 varieties growing in this vineyard. And the government has also sponsored a program to do these studies um, to plant the vines, make tiny quantities of wine from them and then advise wine growers 
on which grape varieties they could consider when they're expanding their vineyards and so on. So it has this incredible richness of grape varieties and they're not related to anything else you've ever heard of. Even if you're really into the, into your wine, you come to Georgia and it's, everything is new and unfamiliar and strange and delicious. But of that 525, there are actually about 60 now in ongoing commercial production, you know, that you'll see the names of on wine bottles. And from that 60, there are actually about 10 that, you know, uh, for example, you'll see on the, so- the shop sh- shelves in the UK. So um, red variety, Saparavi, one of the greatest varieties in the world, not, and not just in my opinion, um, it makes incredibly vibrant gorgeously delicious wines um, and then white varieties such as um, Riccazzatelli, Kisi which is um, very charming just like its name, very fragrant if you like things like um, Sauvignon Blanc you will love Kisi and um, and then also um, the great Mutsvane which is um, um, I mean like a, it's almost like a cross between um, Viognier and Chardonnay <laughs> it's not but that's kind of what it what it tastes like and 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 many others but really Saparavi, Riccatitelli, Mutsvani and Kisi those are like the the four main varieties that you can see um and wines made from those varieties are now on sale in Marks and Spencer in Waitrose the Wine Society and you know kind of places where you will go and do your oh um Waitrose, Ocado where, where kind of you can do your normal weekly shop so it's not that Georgian wine is is hard to find now. It's much easier to find, I think. And uh, there are two distinct sort of ways of making wine. There's the heritage style in the Kvevri, which we'll talk about uh, later. And then there are more, dare I say, conventional wines. So if kind of orange wine, amber wine, as, as you say here, if that's not your thing, if it's a, a sort of tannic skin contact, white isn't your thing, then there is a, still a host of, of stuff to enjoy, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And Georgians embrace all aspects of these different wine styles. So, I mean, wine is so ancient here and amber wine is probably um, what white wine was first made like, you know, 8,000 years ago. But um, actually, you know, Georgia also has a very dynamic modern wine industry with lots of investment from very sophisticated producers. So, um, like, if you like fresh crisp dry white wines there's so much to choose from in Georgia so these are the kind of wines that would not be sort of out of place um next to sort of wines from say um well France or New Zealand Australia and also in the reds you know if you like sort of um structured um quite serious reds from say Napa there are some sort of Georgian classic red wines which are aged in oak which would not freak you out, but bring um, a sort of something, a touch of something deliciously different, but they're not so different that, you know, you have to, you have to kind of uh, wrestle to enjoy it. I think the thing about the Georgian palate is that they love deliciousness and they love deliciousness of food and their wines are actually so easy to enjoy. They have a certain friendliness, but also very distinctive and enjoyable character. And you mentioned Saparavi there, which I know is is one of your favourite grape varieties, and it's easy to see why. It is, I've been tasting, uh, well, gosh, several dozen uh, by now, and um, it is a chameleon, isn't it? It's, we, we've, the group of us, you have a, a group of wine pro- professionals here, and we keep likening it 
to different yeah. great grape varieties. Yeah. One minute it's Syrah, yeah. uh, you know, the next minute someone's mentioning, you know, Beaujolais, yeah. uh, Gamay, you know, and it's, it really is the most extraordinarily versatile uh, red grape variety, isn't it? Yes. So Saparavi is a really ancient variety. And like a lot of ancient varieties, it has developed the... Um, well, I call it habit. It's not, but it's developed the then the um, a characteristic of de- of ad- adapting and and changing its what they call phenotype. It's um, the way it sort of behaves in the vineyard according to its site. So you get like lots of different clones or sort of sub varieties of Saparavi, but they all do share certain characteristics. So very deep color. Naturally, it keeps acidity, which is really useful for warm climates. Um, the vine itself is is hardy, um, and even um, hardy in cold temperatures. But as well, it's it's very tolerant even of drought. So it's a, a real kind of survivor. But then the wines themselves are, always share a certain intensity um, and a very clear perfume. In terms of like the the mouthfeel, the the texture of of the wine Saparavi is always I think has a certain plushness without being thick or heavy and it can be a real chameleon because it's planted in so many different locations but it can be like fresh and juicy made in stainless steel almost something like a barbera it can be very serious and quite extracted and then aged for a long time for long aging and 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 going through elevage in oak it can and be, it makes fabulous um, crevry, which are the um, the clay fermenting vessel wine, which then it has real kind of um, vivacity and um, and kind of texture and tension. So, yeah, I do think it's a wonder great. Certainly what we see in the UK is that Saparavi is the single biggest selling Georgian wine style. Um, and it's it's just so incredibly likable. And, um, it, it, um, and I do believe it. It is one of the noble grapes of the world and we just need to sort of pay it a bit more attention and do some sort of keep back some library vintages and probably do a vertical tasting of like 20 back vintages or something in in 20 years time to prove that. Sarah Abbott, MW, on the many faces of Saparavi. Well, as she mentioned, in the course of its long history, Georgia has developed a unique winemaking technique making those wines in Quevery. The clay pots might almost have disappeared in the era of the Soviet occupation, uh, but they now account for somewhere between 10 and 15% of the country's wines. It's a difficult and challenging winemaking technique, but it certainly makes for distinctive wines, and demand for the Quevery now comes from all over the world. Irakli Cholobagia has been in the wine business for more than 20 years in Georgia. He's worked tirelessly to put the country on the global wine map. And he now has his own winery, Wet Dog. I asked him to explain what makes the country so distinctive. Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing, what makes Georgia wine unique from, uh, not unique, but different from other regions wise. These are basically uh, three aspects or components as well. Uh, the first is uh, uh, the amber style of wine. You know, the, is a, it has a second name of Quevery phenomenon. So we basically make amber wines in Quevery, which was a tradition, which is a living 
tradition until today. Indigenous Georgian grape varieties, which is new to the world, and uh, they're really uh, different from, uh, I'm not saying they're the best or better or something else, but they're different. They have their own identity and they have their own style and uh, their their own, you know, taste and or stylish, stylish, stylistic profile. And the third is uh, the history of, you know, history, which is ancient, really ancient, which is uninterrupted, basically, until it's, and it's a living tradition until now. So, I mean, in terms of wine, oh, well, I mean, as I said, uh, we have uh, many indigenous grape varieties, so over 500 of them, but right now in commerce, we only, you can meet, you can see around 30 to 35, because during Soviet times, the many of them were not uh, industrially produced, so uh, basically uh, they kept only five or six varieties for the industrial reasons, because of, uh, of a massive production in those times. And, but it's a good job that they maintain Georgian varieties, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, and thank God they did. Yeah. We have the dominance of basically two grape varieties uh, right now. They make up uh, approximately 90% of total yield, which is Cazzitelli for the white grape variety and Saperavi for the red. Uh, I mean, the first, uh, you know, encounter with Georgian wine is an amber wine or quevery wine, what we call it. Quevery is the name of the vessel in Georgian. It's a clay vessel which is dug on the ground. Uh, egg-shaped clay vessel, which is a perfect vessel for making this style of wine. And I'll tell you why. Because this egg-shape provides, I mean, it does uh, 90% even more than that of the job of the technical winemaking. When you crush the grapes with the stems and the, with the skins, after fermentation, all these uh, stems and skins are going down on the bottom and it, wine is going like a, a natural kind of filtration. And uh, then you leave it for four to six months, and then you, and the wine is ready. In those times, you can rack it. And it depends. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a paint you have on a palette. And winemaker is like a painter. You can do. It's an enormous. Uh, I mean, like all the wines, not only Georgian, but I mean, even this ember style of wine has huge amount of range you can play around with. Either it's six months, or you can you can leave it for two years in February. You can make it as young to be consumed, whatever you whatever side you want to make. But the style is a skin contact. Maybe you can leave it with a short maceration or a long maceration. But I'll tell you, you know, the some of the grape names, uh, most of the grape names in Georgia have their own meaning. For example, Cazzitelli, wise, it's very interesting grape. If you translate Cazzitelli, it means red stem. Ka is stem. Itelli in Georgian is red. So when the stem is red, it means it's ripe. So that's why the Katsiteli grape is the one of the perfect varieties to make amber skin contact, long maceration style of wine. Because the stems in itself, they protect wine from the oxidation. That's why they leave it with the wine. And in Georgia, we called it Kachetian style because in Eastern Georgia, they, were, they still have this uh, style of wine. They make it like that with the stems, 100% stems, 100% skins, all the time. Um, and it has this uh, history, why are they doing this? Because if you use some other grape variety stems, you have to be careful. You have to see, the stem, make sure the stem is ripe or, or not. If, if it's green, then you have these green characters in the wine, which is not, which is not good. Tswane, we have another grape variety. Tswane in Georgian means green, but it's very, it's more, uh, it has a lot of uh, deep and intense aromatic profile. 
with a lot of white fruits. And it's, uh, you can also make amber wines with that, with a long maceration as well. But also when you make it in a classical style without, without any skin contact, young, it's also very pleasant. It's very different from Cazzitelli. In terms of uh, in terms of the profile, I mean, uh, uh, as per your question, was that how how do you meet Georgia? Uh, when you meet Georgia, I think the best uh, introduction is the amber, or like you call it over there, it's orange style of wine. By the way, it's a very interesting point that we uh, we don't call orange or amber wine here. For us, it's white wine. Mm. Because it's uh, the skin contact. It's always like it's the, uh, it's kind of it's not a tradition, but it's the way of the wine making here. Well, red is obviously you have to make a skin contact. It thought our style of wine was a skin contact for the whites as well. Orange wines can be very tannic, yeah. slightly off-putting. Yet here in Georgia, amber wines, there's a scale of of you know of tannic. Uh, from yes. very light and delicate to to exactly. sort of more full on, and actually a, a delicate amber wine is not, it, to my mind, really like a kind of tannic orange wine. It's much more nuanced and delicate, isn't it? Yes, sure. And uh, like I said, you can even uh, make uh, really big wines from from uh, from the white uh, skin contact whites. Uh, there's one uh, winery. It's a, it's a monastery, and they had uh, they still have this wine, and they kept this wine for nine years in Quebec from the harvest time. To nine years, yeah. Wow. And it it's quite different. It's not. I mean, it's complex, but it's not, it's tannins are really kind of low. It's like smooth. It's not very intense and rough tannins. It's very smooth and it's really well balanced right now. It's quite different. It, it's Cazzitelli. But you, you can experience this Cazzitellis in a different style, even European style, like we call it, classical style. But the best thing, why, I mean, this name gives you the idea what is the best to play around with this or that grape. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Cazzitelli is the white grape, which is uh, which gives you an opportunity to make young wines, like ready-to-use wines, right, you know, after two months, three months. At the same time, to make a big, big and complex wines as well. There are some yeah. other really appealing uh, white grape varieties. Uh, Spani, Kisi, uh, yeah. spring to mind. Um, that are... Kisi, very easy to remember. Yes, Kisi is very easy <laughs> to remember. But Spani is a bit harder, but yeah. um, but well worth trying. It's been one of the hit grapes of uh, yeah. uh, uh, for me, of, of, of my visit here. Kisi is fantastic as well. These are grapes that are really well worth trying on, on a sort of on a on a, on a route map through Georgian white grape varieties, aren't they? Yeah, we can. Yeah, I mean, the Kisi Tswane, Tswane, by the way, means green in English, it's, and it has. Uh, you know, we have several grapes which have this root of green, like Gruner, Veltliner, Gru, mm -hmm. this green kind of thing. So, also with Tswane, you can make skin contact wines as well, like long maceration, complex wines. But at the same time, they're uh, as as their aromatic profile is very intense, so you can make a very fruity, young and refreshing wines. The same with Kisi. Kisi is more like a floral. It has a floral and, you know, flower, valley, perfumey, aromatic profile. So the same, you can do the, the bunch of the different styles of these kind of wines, starting from the easy to drink, even sparklings as well, and complex, 
heavy macerated complex uh, skin contact wise so so in terms of remembering the names for the westerners the kisi and Svane is the, are the best <laughs> best to start with yes yeah. is the best yeah i think for a Cattelli, <laughs> Cattelli, yeah once you get it in your head it's it's not yeah. so it's not so difficult um and then um we we can't uh, not talk about the hero red grape of course of yeah. georgia uh, saparavi 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 is very it's very complex grape and uh, i mean in my experience i think saparavi is a big one and uh, uh, well i mean there are different styles you there are young saparavis as well but i mean uh, i had the experience to uh, taste the best saparavis which are aged and given time a little bit to have a well-balanced uh, complex uh, and when you hear saparavis uh, it's a it's a full-bodied very big sort of uh, big gourmet wine you can make the wine out of that of course you can make rosé as well it's really difficult to make a rosé as well but i mean when you hear saparavi it's something big mm-hmm. and um, at the same time as you know this is a uh, tenturia grape variety which is um, it, the the flesh also is not red but on the, the veins around the uh, around the flesh is also red so it's very difficult there's no way you can make white wine from from Saparavi so it's very it's like a Portuguese Toriga um, Nacional it's like Tenturia grape variety so it's very very complex and um, and we had uh, uh, this aromatic profile of Saparavi is basically as was identified recently it has um, uh, cherry uh, deep, uh, like you know, plum, uh, dried plum, and also red berry, uh, blackberry character in mm-hmm. the in the in the taste. And it makes and very crunchy, very yeah. cherry red yeah. wines, doesn't very, it? As well, very, very, and it could, and it's very fruity. It's very fruity, and also we have this style, uh, which was uh, kind of not created but established during Soviet times, which is semi-sweet red. And we have this area where the uh, sugar concentration of Saparavi goes really high in that area. We have this uh, very popular semi-sweet red range as well in, from, from this area, which is very popular, which was popular during Soviet times. And uh, even now they still enjoy this style of wine. So uh, Giorgio has also become the producer of this semi-sweet style of wine. But in some cases, it's, uh, it doesn't have, it's not sweet wine. It's, it has this off dryish fruity, a very uh, complex character. Lots of concentration. With lots of concentration of food. Mm, lots of it. Yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting variety, by the way. Peri means color. And when you, if you translate, uh, literally, it means giver of the color. Which makes a lot of sense yeah. <laughs> when you see the color. You yeah. don't want it on a white shirt, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and, and uh, when it goes into a quevery, uh, tell us about um, Saparavi's character in a quevery wine. Well, Quevery, uh, it's very hard to kind of, you know, distinguish the characters of red wine of Quevery or the tank-made Saparavis. In the whites, you can see that because Quevery because is the vessel for making long or short maceration wines, white or red as well. But uh, there's a big debate, by the way, that uh, there's a group of people who says that uh, Quevery gives... Uh, 
contributes to the aromas and taste in the wine. And there's a group of people said it's it's, it's the vessel only that you know helps to create the skin contact uh, wines. But also, I mean, uh, there's no such. Uh, I mean, if if somebody says that it has this quivery smell, it means that maybe something could be wrong with the wine because it's you know it's clay. If it's a kind of a wetty character, it could have some this kind of thing. But it's in some cases tolerable because you can identify this minerality mm-hmm. in the wines. Basically, in the in in the red, you can't see this uh, very big difference in the whites. Skin macerated whites, you can see the big differences between the quivery made and tank made whites. But in the reds, as it's like with the skin contact anyway, in the tanks and the quivery as well. But quivery could give the character of this earthiness and minerality because it has the pores inside, the natural pores, which also uh, uh, may, uh, provides for the microoxidation in the in in the in the wine, and maybe it could play the kind of a role of giving this uh, character of minerality, minerality to the wine. But it's very, in a, in a rare cases where you can identify in, in, in Saperavis. It's a basic kind of thing, but I mean, if it's, uh, if it's too hard and intense, that it means that could be, could be become kind of faulty in the mm. end. But when it's kind of uh, has this, uh, you could, you could still f- feel the taste of you know, wet uh, stone. Maybe you can identify mm. this uh, kind of a taste and aromas in the wine. Uh, basically, in the reds. They seem to have yeah. a, a real energy. Uh, of course, wines. A big vigor, and uh, yeah, because um, uh, it's when you make wines in in Kvevry, I mean, the whole uh, this fermentation process. I mean, this Kvevries create this kind of a vortex in the during fermentation and it's like it's only maximum we use now like 1200 to 1500 liter quavers but also there are 800 meter 800 liter quavers as well so this uh, kind of a uh, com- complex complexity of this wine is depending on the size of the quaver as well so the shorter the smaller the quaver the bigger is the tide in the during fermentation and it all does in in, in its own way and when the sediment goes down, it's, it's like relaxes and it sits there. Mm. So it's like, and also, uh, and it gives this uh, vigor in the end. And skin makes a, by the way, in, in Georgian, we also call skins deda, which means mother. So without skins, we call motherless wines. So skin is a very important thing in, the, it's kind of a, it has this uh, kind of a symbolic thing to to a human birth and the wine birth because of the egg shape you know the egg produces new life so the egg shape of quivery produces new life for the wine so you have to let it sit on the skins to relax oh, in the womb of the yeah. clay pot it's really interesting <laughs> you, you don't make your life easy for yourselves with quivery winemaking it, it's you really know, difficult isn't it uh it's Easy to use quivery if you decide to make uh, skin contact wine, and it's dug underground, so you may have to make a lot of punch downs as well. So it's easy to make it, uh, but in in the end, as you said, it's difficult because you have to 
by the way, you, you, you don't sleep for like 20 days when it's fermenting, because you never know when it comes up. It may, you know, overflow from the, from the cranberry. So you have to be there alert and, you know, you have this be always with this, you, with a stick to punch down the skins and, you know, 20 yeah. days is hard. Yeah. But then, then you're kind of, then you're relaxed because it's, it does its own job. When the wine is already uh, peaceful, not fermenting anymore, so it sits there, you can leave it for like two or three years, even more. Yeah, but things like so, hygiene and getting course, the course, getting course. the the wine out of the cavevery and yeah. all of this this is this is this is yeah. serious it, hard work. Isn't yeah, it? but I mean today, I mean technology gives us opportunity. We have the pumps, so you can do it with the pumps. But still, uh, to maintain the I mean, in all times, it was it was uh, I mean the hardest jobs uh, to maintain even the cleanliness of the cavevery. We had this lot of. If you saw in this trip, the lot of cleaning tools. Yeah, they're still the historic and, tools. Sti yeah, and still they use it in these days as well. But I mean, now we have this, you know, pressure pumps and you can, you know, pressure carrier pumps. You can clean the query with that. So, but I mean, there are some people who still make this, uh, who still maintain the cleanliness with the, with the hand tools and it's very hard to do. I mean, if you have like 10 tons of query, you have to go down and clean the whole queries. And in those times they had these small pots with the threads and with the sticks and you had to uh, clear the query from the water with these things up to the end. So it was really, really hard. We have this uh, profession even those times, it was called query cleaners. They had the special tools that they came and they were working for like Maybe ten days or two weeks uh, in 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 old Maranis there. So yeah, I wouldn't want that yeah. job. And and Kvevri <laughs> are hugely fashionable now. The Kvevri makers. Uh, we yeah. we met one the other day. Um, they they um, they have a, a long waiting list, don't they? For, for of Kvevri. course, yeah. It um, I mean this uh, trend started in uh, 2010 because uh, up till those times. Uh, Georgians would have their Quevery Maranis and they were making the wines for their own consumption, maybe for the friends or maybe for the local sales, you know, during Soviet times it was like that. But then uh, in, uh, uh, from 2010, when these people started to commercialize their wines, to label their wines, then this profession came alive. And a lot of these forgotten families, they started to, you know, come back to their own profession and now they're uh, already five or six families who kind of already restored this uh, this profession of their own. And they have the lines, really. Mm. Yeah. In uh, I mean, if you order the query, you have to be kind of quick. <laughs> because uh, it takes a long time to make a query properly, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, sure. Because uh, basically they do it in, in summertime when it's hot. Because that's when the clay dries out. And then they uh, burn it out in the kilns, so it has to be summer, mm. and so it getting has a very short period of time to you know produce cranberries. Yeah, and they have these vast ovens. Uh, oh yeah, getting the temperature up. Yeah, uh, twelve hundred uh, degrees takes a, a lot of time, and yeah. then with the woods and they can't yeah. sleep because they have to no. keep the temperature no. up as of well, course, don't of they? Of course, yeah, they have to be with the woods all the time to keep the temperature under uh, not way under thirteen hundred degrees so it's it's also a very hard job as yeah. well <laughs> and in your yeah. mind if you had to say to someone who had not had a kvevery wine be it 
amber, be it red. What would you say uh, makes a Kvevri wine so unique, so special? Uh, for me personally, is that uh, it's a history which is still alive and it didn't go out in these uh, thousands of years of time. So it's still here and it's alive and you can still touch this history in 21st century and it's done in the same way. So it has this kind of uh, uniqueness and identity and you enjoy this and when you think that there were people who were making the wine like this thousands of years ago and you're still continuing that line and there will be people like 100 or 200 years after that so it makes you kind of uh, i don't know it's it's that pride but it's kind of you it, it, it's uh, it makes you happy that you're continuing that in that it's not something you just made up like 100 years ago 10 years ago or even it's not something that it was forgotten and now you coming back to that it's also good but the thing is that that you're continuing that this line of your ancestors and you kind of feel the living uh, connection with uh, with your ancestors so it's um, this is what makes you happy it's 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 not tasty it's not physical thing it's uh, it's a kind of a emotional and irrational kind of uh, relationship with that touching the history which is alive Irakli Cholobagia on what makes Georgia's wine scene so distinctive and different. Food and wine obviously go hand in hand all over the world, but there are a few places where it's so obviously married as Georgia. Takuna Kachachiladze is a star chef in the country with a flagship restaurant in the capital, Tbilisi, and a new farm-to-table venue in wine country. I asked her how she would define the way Georgians like to eat. First of all, I think the Georgian cuisine is the fusion. It's like the fusion now is the modern world, but our cuisine was fusioned centuries and centuries and centuries because we are on the Silk Road and then we were always under the rule of someone, you know, it was the Persia, the Iran, the Turks, the Russia, the Mongols, you know, and all these, these culinary influences, we were very easy to adapt it. But still, we are very stubborn people, and then we're adding always our special touch to it. And if you eat Georgian food, it sounds a little bit familiar, like uh, maybe some Persian influences, Indian, but still it's very, very different, you know, when you go a little bit deeper and deeper. And what is most important in Georgian cuisine, it's like a supram, because we we like to share, like, and it's, we have the long tables and all the family and friends coming together, and it's all about, not only about the food, it's about the old experience, you know, about the sharing, communication, love, toasts, tamadas, and sure, the wine, because the wine is the must. <laughs> no surprise. Even the lunch, we drink some wine. For dinners, for 100%, but in the lunchtime, we also drink a little. So. <laughs> and the Supra is amazing because you arrive at the table and there is food already there. Yes. So it looks like a 
you know, to use a modern uh, analogy, it looks like an Instagram picture of a of exactly. a set table, <laughs> and then the food just keeps coming. Yeah, this is this is like a, this also like a Persian influence a little bit, but it's like a, it must be food on the table because this is our tradition. As the guests when come, they have to see the food on the table, and then the food is uh, coming and the hot dishes are coming. But the, what is important, nothing goes away. It's everything is taste. So. And this is very because you can always go back to the what you you where you were starting, you know. And it's it's very very interesting. Very few countries have this um, habit, you know, to dine like this. The emotion that comes across the most uh, as a visitor here yeah. is the sense of generosity. Yes. Yeah, we are very generous people actually, and we love the guests. You know, it's a Georgian proverb: does the guests are from the god and then uh, uh, you give everything to the guest maybe the like uh, if you have the last chicken in your fridge or the last bottle of the wine it's in our genes to share it because otherwise it's uh, it's like uh, you think that it's like a bad uh, <laughs> something bad happened to you so that's why giving away and sharing is the very very important for us and it's in our blood you know it's very important and wine is very much in the Georgians' blood in terms of um, gastronomic culture, as you say, isn't it? Absolutely. And we not only drink with wine, uh, drink wine, we also cook lots with wine. And the most like a famous Georgian recipes are cooked uh, with the wine. And then we cook always with the wine what we drink. It's like we don't have this uh, term like a cooking wine. It's not like a, lots of... Uh, uh, cultures have like a different kind of cooking wine, so we we cook with the wine what we drink after. So and this is this is the must. So that's why we we love we love wine very much. So. And you've just um, paired uh, a number of dishes um, exquisitely to <laughs> uh, to uh, Georgian wines. Um, uh, tell us uh, sort of what excites you about Georgian wine. You know what? This pairing, it's uh, something new in Georgia because we don't, uh, traditionally, we don't pair food with the wine because we have these amber wines, which are um, universal, you know. You can drink with the appetizers, you can drink with the meat, you can pair beautifully with the uh, meat, pork, chicken, you know. And on the supra wine, most of the time is the uh, is the amber wine, like Cazitelli or Quevri, which made in Quevri. So the tradition of the pairing wine with different, this is, this is very new. Uh, and this is very excites me because to show also the Georgians that with the different dishes, we can still drink different wine, you know, and then this this um, like a marriage you know because before it was only like a one kind of wine this like a quivery amber wines and then we were drunk all night with uh, only one wine so this now is coming this new trend to pair and then i'm the chefs also starting this this uh, a new new trend so pairing wine uh, so with different kinds of food so and it's very excited so. yeah I, I can imagine and you also have this amazing kind of basket of 
produce at your disposal, don't you, in Georgia? It's, it is a yeah. very fertile uh, land for, for food. In, in Georgia, especially in Kakhetia, the land is unbelievable. You know, you tried, for example, today the artichokes, which actually is not native to Georgia. So, and uh, many years ago, I, I love artichokes. And then I thought if it can come in Mediterranean, in Italy, why not it can, could come to Georgia? And then uh, a couple of farmers planted for me uh, and then we have the like a two two already two years the uh, Georgian artichokes. Also, I did plant in my uh, farm, and we're still waiting for the this season. Probably we'll have the first uh, uh, harvest. But here, really in this climate, you can plant everything, and everything will come. I have the herbs from Brazil, which feeling beautiful in this <laughs> in climate. It's like a, and we are very blessed, especially. The chefs who are so lucky like me to have a farm and then to to have everything what they want. You try to tomatoes, you know, it's mm. like <laughs> amazing, un unbelievable. It's it's nice. Nothing, no special cooking methods. It's just the vegetables and the very simple stuff. So that that makes the food so extraordinary and the good pairing with the wine. Yeah, and I have to say, I adore tarragon. And there was yeah. tarragon in a number yeah. of courses uh, yeah, tonight. Because... But it's so amazing with the wines. Yeah, the tarragon, it's like, a, uh, we love tarragon. But Georgian tarragon, it's very different there from European tarragon because it's more milder, it's not so much tannins. And then it's very good pairing with uh, white wines, especially with this intense tanned uh, quavery wine. So that's why we... We serve, we have many dishes with tarragon. Actually, with all the herbs, you see the Georgian cuisine, it's very, if you tell me what is very specific, the specific is that we use lots of fresh herbs and lots of walnuts. So these two <laughs> ingredients is like uh, the, the very important ingredients that would define the Georgian cuisine, you know, freshness and the same time this uh, earthiness of the walnuts and all kinds of the nuts. And if someone wants to come to Georgia to experience this, which they absolutely should, uh, where do they find your food? So I have a couple of restaurants in uh, Tbilisi. The, uh, the Cafe Litera is the flagship located in the beautiful 19th century villa. Now is the writer's house. And also I have two, three more. And what I'm very most proud, it's my new baby, the Silver Lake Farm. And we do the, the farm to the table restaurant. And it's like, a, it's a must visit, I think. <laughs> oh, well, based on what I've eaten this evening, it's a must visit. Yes. Uh, thank you this so is, much. You, you tried some of the dishes from our menu, new menu. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Takuna Kachichilaudzi, star chef on Georgia's wonderful gastronomy. And if you're inspired by the thought of Georgian cooking, by the way, or indeed Georgian wines or just travelling here, then do check out Carla Capalbo's inspiring book, Tasting Georgia. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique, the world through the lens of wine and spirits. Let's round off with the IWSC medal winners from Georgia. The judges uh, came here last autumn to assess wines in situ in Tbilisi, across two days of tasting. Uh, almost 500 entries were received. 
double the anticipated number, resulting in an extra day of judging. Uh, Gold medals were awarded to 16 entrants in total. There were 63 silver medals and 209 bronzes as well. Here's just a small selection of those gold medal winners uh, to inspire you. Uh, Here's the highest score, a whopping 97 points for Ruispiri Quevri Rakatstelli. 2021. This from Kaketi, uh, 100% Riccatitelli. Uh, the tasting note, a proudly aromatic wine with intense, balanced flavours of ripe, juicy pears and apricots. Possesses an attractively long, generous finish that keeps on giving. Beautifully crafted and perfect for ageing. Another impressive gold medal winner with 96 points, Satrapezzo Saparavi, 2019. From JSC Talavi, uh, the judging panel's tasting note for this one, uh, which I think was actually judged in London. An open, inviting and dense nose with exuberant black fruits, the richness of fruit and hints of leather, savoury spice with ripe, lush fruit complemented by dark chocolate and plush tannins. Here's another 96-pointer, so a strong gold, uh, Erecles wine. 2020 from Casarelli Cellar, a blend of 35% Kisi, uh, the same percentage Riccatitelli, and 15% Matsvani Kakuri, and 15% Kikfi. The judging panel said this, beautifully crafted with baked fruit and spices on the palate, mouth-watering and well-structured, with a long finish leaving you wanting more. Chelsea Winery, Kvevri Kisi, 2020 won its gold medal with 95 points. The judging panel was chaired here by Sarah Abbott, MW, who you heard at the start of this edition of The Drinking Hour. And then there was a combination of visiting international judges and local experts. Here's what they said about this uh, Kvevri Kisi 2020 from Chelty. Refined and complex notes of dried apricot, raisins, dried mango, marmalade, roasted almonds, cooked yellow figs, chamomile flowers, fresh herbs and a hint of saffron on the nose and palate. Delicious freshness and a great cheese rind texture. It's a great tasting note for that wine because I was lucky enough to taste that Kvevri Kisi 2020 myself on our travels. So a worthy gold medal winner. And finally, for this uh, famous five, another gold, 95 points for Tico Estate, The Edge, Saparavi 2018. The tasting note says this, opulent and expressive. This has bright, fresh berry fruit and bold notes of herbs, spice and chocolate. With great intensity of fruit, there's also plenty of structural support from oak and acidity with both power and precision, suggesting this has ageing potential as well as drinking well now. And that's it for this special edition of The Drinking Hour from Georgia. My thanks to my guests and also our hosts on this trip, the various wineries and establishments that looked after us. Uh, You can find uh, my wine column at clubonologique.com and you can follow us at Food FM Radio on Instagram and Twitter, and I am Mr. Venusaurus on Instagram and Twitter. For now, though, from Georgia, it's goodbye. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique, the world through the lens of wine and spirits. 
To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.